Well, this morning, if you brought your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Haggai. Yes, there is a book called Haggai. If you, it's right next to Zephaniah, if that will help. Zephaniah, Haggai, uh, toward, the old, toward the end of the Old Testament, uh, you've got Zechariah right after uh, Haggai. So, uh, if that's not enough, look at your index. And uh, spot on with index. <laughs> Some of these books uh, we don't preach much from. They're fantastic books and great messages. So we want to look at Haggai as we have a priority check. Priority check. Haggai chapter 2, chapter 1, I'm sorry. And we're going to look at verse 2 through verse 9. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and the house, this house lie waste, referring to the house of God? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe ye, clothe ye, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build a house, I'll take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came too little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. E. M. Gary spent his life searching for the one trait that all successful people share. His research revealed that the one common denominator that all successful people share is not hard work. It was not a charismatic personality. But the number one factor that all successful people had was putting first things first. The book of Haggai is the second shortest book in the Old Testament. And the message of the book is the importance of putting first things first. It was written to a group of people like us who would say, if asked, do you put first things first? And they would say, well, yes, God must be first. But they drifted away from that truth. And because of that, they lived misplaced priorities. 
Haggai's audience were the Jews who had returned to Jerusalem after their captivity in Babylon for about 70 years. They had this extraordinary task of rebuilding the temple. They cleared the debris, they laid the foundations, and the Samaritans and the Samaritan neighbors wanted to help. They asked the help, but the Jews said, thank you, but no thank you. And as the years passed, then city life began again in Jerusalem. Homes were built, stores were opened, commerce were, was established, fields were planted, harvest, or crops were harvested, life just got back to normal. And the people became accustomed of being without a temple. The foundations were overgrown with weeds. Sixteen years passed, and then Haggai comes on the scene, and he has a message. It's time to finish rebuilding the temple. It was a message of priority. Put first things first. For God's temple to live in ruins was a testimony of misplaced priorities. This morning, simple question. Are your priorities in order? Do you have first things first? Are they in order? Is the first thing first is God first in your life? So we want to look at some practical steps of just putting first things first. The point is, it's always easy to make excuses when you don't want to obey God. It's easy to come up with an excuse. The devil will always have you to justify not to do what God wants you to do. Such as, well, the time is not right to start right now. Or, well, I got family responsibilities I got to take care of. Or, my kids need me right now. Or, when things kind of settle down at work, then I'm going to start. Or, had said to me, when I retire, I'll be able to be there and be actively involved. You see, the first step in putting things first is to admit we have a responsibility. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some simple, practical steps in putting first things first. Number one, I mentioned stop making excuses. You'll never put first things first if you make excuses. Number two, to put first things first, cease from being selfish. Now, Haggai challenged the selfish mindset of the people. Look at verse 3 and 4. Then came the word of the Lord Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and the house 
This house lie waste? Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house, the house of God, lie in waste? Now, he uses sealed houses. Some translations use paneled houses, which some translations use covered houses or roofed houses. Covered simply means, literally represents finishing touches. The point, your houses are, are not in the process. They're finished. Your houses are finished. Weeds are not growing up around your unfinished foundations. Your houses are finished. Your homes are complete. They're finished. While the temple of God lies in ruins. Friend, listen, nothing is wrong in having a nice house. Nothing's wrong in having a large house. What's wrong is having a nice house while the house of God is in ruins. What's wrong is to spend all of your money on selfish needs while ignoring the things of God. What's wrong is to spend your time, your best time, your best talents on selfish pursuits while the things of God are left undone. That is misplaced priorities. Now listen, it's real easy to drift away from God's agenda to our own agenda. It's easy to pursue selfish desires while at the same time ignoring the things that God desires. In fact, it's the default mode of our lives. All of you perhaps have, most of you have cell phones and you have this default ring automatically goes to. Default ring, remember when cell phones first came out, everyone had the same ringtone. You know, ringtones have changed, but you have a default ringtone. And if we give no thought to how we're living, we're going to naturally go into default mode, which means we're going to live for ourselves. Let me say that again. If we give no thought how we're living, we will naturally live for ourselves. The bent of our heart. Do you know your heart is bent? The bent of our heart is always towards selfishness. Your heart this morning is, is, is either bent toward God or bent toward selfishness. Always. Your heart bends one to the other. One or the other. So today your heart is bent toward God or it's bent toward you. And this is what happened to the Jews that Haggai was addressing. And this is what's happening to many of God's people today. Their heart is bent away from God toward themselves. We have our paneled houses, finished houses. We have our nice vehicles, 
one vehicle, no, two, maybe three, maybe four vehicles. We have our four-wheelers and our razors and our boats and our campers and or you might just put all of yours into a CD or an IRA or some land investment or some, some portfolio investment. I don't know. But you have all of that accumulated while the church struggles to meet its budget and paying off its building and doing ministry. I think William Cowper nailed it when he penned these words. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Which way is your heart bent? The above mentioned, I mean the furnished houses, or the finished houses, the vehicles, the adult toys, the CDs, the, the IRAs, the investments, all of those things. That's what happens when we don't persistently and constantly put God first in our lives. So to put God first, stop making excuses. To put God first, cease from being selfish. To put God first, number three, don't miss his blessings. Now let's look at the consequences of of the excuse-making and this selfish living these people were going through. Uh, they experienced some hardships. Look, if you will, at verse 5. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 6, you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat, but you have not enough, you drink, but you're not filled with drink, you clothe you, but there's none warm, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. They were experiencing some hardships. They sowed plenty of seed, but the crops really didn't yield much. They had an active lifestyle, but yet they weren't satisfied. They worked and worked, but there was no profit in what they were doing. No matter how hard they worked and how hard they tried to save, it seemed like they were spinning their wheels. No matter how much money they made, they couldn't keep it. You know how that feels? The point of verse 5 and 6, well, why? Why was all of that? Well, because the people were selfish, they were missing God's blessings. So Haggai reminded them, what happens in your heart affects every other part of your life. Every other part. So their heart was bent toward selfishness and not toward God. Now let me let you in on a little secret. There's nobody here but us. I want to tell you, how blind they were. They couldn't see that God had caused the predicament that they were in because their heart was bent away from Him. They didn't stop to consider that God was trying to tell them something. 
And so Haggai comes on the scene and he begins to scream. It's God that controls the rain and it's God that controls your harvest. And he's withholding blessings because your priorities are not right. Put his house first, he'll bless you. Jesus said the same thing, didn't he? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all those needs you have will be added unto you. The point is this, blessings come with obedience. So if you want to experience blessings, then put him first. Stop making excuses. Cease from being selfish. And then don't miss the blessing. And then, fourth, it's time to evaluate. The people realize they, they really had caused the problem. They realized that they had caused the problem. Duh. Yeah. You really have. You've caused your own problem. Look at verse 5. He says, consider your ways. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Stop. Evaluate your life in the light of God's Word. Consider your ways. Every day, evaluate how you spend your time. Every day, evaluate how you spend your money. Every day, evaluate how you use your talents and your gifts for God. Every day, evaluate who your friends are. Every day, evaluate what your goals are. Every day, evaluate where you're going, what God's will is for your life. Stop. Consider your ways. Evaluate. And remember, if God is not first, guess who removed him from his rightful place in your life? So here's a warning. The failure to make constant corrections each day will result in severe consequences. An illustration would be kind of a, a pilot, perhaps a small plane pilot, or it could be a large uh, plane pilot. Let's say this pilot takes off, and he's, he takes off from the airfield, and he's in flight, but he fails to stop and, and make any type of correction in his direction, and he just kind of veers off course. And he keeps veering off course and veering off course and veering off course. And finally, when he realizes that he's 100 miles off course, he begins to suffer severe consequences for veering off. Now, let me, let me close with this. How do we know that God's first? Three things you need to jot down real quick. How do I know God's first in my life? Number one, we are active in the right things. Look at verse 8. Go up to the mountain. Now, God tells them exactly what to do. Remember the problem, they didn't rebuild the temple. They thought about it for 16 years. They probably prayed about it for 16 years. They were busy getting their things in order and doing all the things they needed to do in God's house laid in waste. 
And so God says, here's what you need to do. Verse 8, go up to the mountain, point number 1. Point number 2, bring wood. Point number 3, build the house. I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. How do I know that God is first in my life? Well, I'm active in the right things. There, you know, there's time to talk, and there's time to consider, there's time to do. So we put first things first. So the question is, am I doing the right things? Am I spending time daily with God? Am I serving other people? Am I serving God with my gifts and my talents and my finances? Am I doing the right things? For the Jews, it just meant going to the mountain, cutting trees and bringing down the wood and building the house. That was the right thing. For us, those I mentioned, am I studying God's Word? Am I praying, praying daily? Am I doing my daily Bible time? Am I serving people? Am I serving God with my gifts and talents? and finances. Those are the right things. Am I doing the right things? Active in right things. Second, God is glorified. See, when God is not first, God's not glorified. If God's not first in your life, you're not glorifying God. When God is first, God's glorified. He's on our mind. He's glorified. Everything we think, everything we say, everything we do is to honor God. When God is first, God is glorified. When God is not first, we're not glorifying God. Whatever your occupation is, your chief business in that occupation is to glorify God. That's your chief business. My chief business. So active in the right things, God is glorified. And then number three, God blesses us. You being blessed? You see, when people obey, look at verse 13. When people obey, look at, look at verse 13. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And let me tell you something. The sure sign of a blessing from God, is to have his, manif his manifest presence in your life. Have you felt him recently? Do you know God is close? Has he manifested himself in some way in your life? The point is this, if God seems distant to you today, then your priorities are all messed up. Is he close to you? Are you close to him? You see, when you put God first, you experience a new awareness of God. Let me close with this. I read an illustration where a teacher in a college, professor, I should say, took a gallon jug. In his class, he takes his wide-mouthed gallon jug. And he takes huge rocks, almost the size of his fist, just fit in the jug. And he fills that jug up with those rocks, huge rocks. And he asks his class, is the jug filled? And they said, yes. So he takes some gravel and he pours on top of those large rocks. And the gravel just sifts down around those large rocks. He said, is the jug full? They said, yes. 
So he takes some sand and he puts it inside the jug and the sand sifted around the large rocks and around the gravel and it kind of filled up all the cavities and the empty spaces around that gravel. He said, is the jug full? And they said, well, yes. Then he takes some water. And he pours the water in the mouth of the jug and the water goes down over the rocks and over the gravel and around the sand. And then he says, is the jug filled? And they said, yes. What's the point? If he'd not put the big rocks first, he couldn't got the other in the jug. So what's the big rock? If you want your life filled, What's the big rock? You put God first. You put the church first. And all the rest of it will fit in the jug. But if you put all the other first, you won't have room for your big rocks. Going back to our question, is God first in your life? Is he your number one priority? Is it all about you? What you got to do, your time, the way you spend your time, you don't have time for God. Now, you're smarter than that. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we've had an opportunity just to think about priorities. Thank you, Lord, that uh, today... We can evaluate our own personal lives and see where you are in our lives. Help us, we pray, Lord, to, to make sure that we put you first in our lives and we put your church next to you in our lives and then all the other will work out. I pray for each person here. I pray for those that are not here. Now, some are sick and can't be here today. And our prayers go up for them that they'll be healed and be back and be able to worship with us. But then some have just priorities, Lord, that are not uh, what they should be. They're not in order. Um, some people would be at church if they don't have something better to do. They don't think about you being first in their life. And so, Father, thank you for revealing to us through the book of Haggai that we need to get our priorities straight. Help our heart today to be rebent toward you if it was being away from you. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time of invitation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.